Well, good morning. It is good to see each one of you here today. I pray that you're having a blessed day. And I pray that through this service, some way, shape, form, or fashion, God uses you for his glory. A few days ago, I was sitting on my couch, and I did something that I rarely do. I began to watch television. You see, my kids say I get on their nerves because when I watch television, I usually listen to YouTube songs or watch things on YouTube. I, I like things like that. But I had found a documentary of a man named Marshall Applewhite. Now, some of you may be too young to remember this, but this Marshall Applewhite convinced over 30 people in 1998 to commit suicide because there was a UFO behind a comet named Hellbob. And um, he convinced them to kill themselves in three ways, or in three stages, and to put on black Nikes, have $5 in their pocket, and take a, uh, a mixture of alcohol and some opioids, and they died. Convinced that they were going to catch this UFO on the backside of this comet. Now that is a person that we would consider to be a false prophet. That somebody that had manipulated the people and they so easily followed. To be quite honest with you, there's a reason that Jesus calls us sheep. You see, the thing about sheep is they're very easily led astray. Now I wanted to share this with you, and I've used this example many times to illustrate my point before we go into the text, and we'll be in the book of 1 John. A lot of times, sheep uh, in, in, in processed plants will be led by what's called a Judas goat. That this goat will lead the sheep into the slaughter pen, then he'll, once it gets into the pen, it'll go back and pick up another sheep. Because sheep are easily led astray, and sheep are community animals that like to follow other things. Brothers and sisters, I want you to hear me today. Be careful who you listen to. Now, I say all that to say that in the midst of what is going on, and even on Wednesday nights, we have addressed uh, revival that is going on in Asbury. There have been a lot of questions. People saying, is this revival? What is revival? What is happening? I address some of that on Wednesday nights. What is the sign of revival? But I want to get into something else because what happens during these times even when God is at work, so is Satan. Corey Tim Boone put it this way. There's two active powers in the world today. The uh, unlimited power of God and the limited power of Satan. Okay, now listen. Now what happens is, is even when there's a work of God, there will be Satan and his adversaries that try, try to thwart the plan of God. Now we know who is greater, but as long as we live on this earth, Satan will try to thwart the very things of God. And what is amazing to me is a lot of times even those who call themselves Christians get caught up in a trap of listening to people and not examining God's Word to see if they're right. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John chapter 4 and stand with me as we read this text. Now listen to what John says. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know that the Spirit of God, uh, or sorry, by this you know, 
the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard, have heard that is, is coming and now is already in the world. You are from God, little children. You have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we study your word, Lord, reveal to us, open our hearts, that Lord, your word is God-breathed. May we hold to it in steadfast dedication and stand on this rock of truth. And Lord, give us an urgency to share the good news of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Now, the book of 1 John does not identify as author, but we have understand that through church history that it was John. It is attributed to John. Well, reason why is because one of John's disciples, Polycarp, attested that the book was written by John. Now, John would write because there was something creeping into the church called Decedism. Decedism. What it did was deny the incarnation of Jesus Christ. It was saying that Jesus did not appear in humanity, but more or less was a a figure or an illusion of humanity or a, a, a phantom, if you will. That he is not really incarnate. The problem with that, and please listen to me, that if Jesus didn't come in humanity, then our worship is in vain. Listen to me. I don't think we grasp this. Let me, let me reemphasize that. If Jesus didn't come to this earth as a man, our worship is in vain. Because for him to be fully God and fully man was the only way that we had relationship back with the Father. Period. So they had died, denied the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And he will address them. But let me tell you something. They are people and false prophets to today that deny Christ. And as we go through this book, I want us to be good stewards of God's Word, to be good Bereans, and to see what John has said that how we test the spirits. He said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. I want to stop right there. This is the time as a Christian where you don't have to believe. Now listen where I'm going with this. Do not believe every spirit. There are a lot of people that will preach and say that they're believers, that they are prophets, that they are preachers, that they are evangelists. Do not believe everyone until they have been tested by the Word of God. See whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. The word world there comes from the Greek cosmos, which means the world. Not Okamene, which means the local region. The world! There are many false prophets. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. There's a lot of them that you hold in high regard that are false prophets. He said, they have gone out into the world. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus Christ is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist 
of which you have heard that is coming and now is already in the world. Now, what I want to talk to you about is the Antichrist just for a few moments. Let's clear this up. Okay? He is not talking about the Antichrist that you, we talk about so often in, in Revelation. Antichrist means against Christ. Therefore, anything that is against Christ is Antichrist. Okay? Now, we, we, we clear the mud on that. Antichrist against Christ. So there's all kind of spirits. If you are against the work and person of Christ, you're Antichrist. Period. And they were out there. They're among us now. And now it is already in the world. But you are from God. Little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. He says, test the Spirit. It comes from the Greek, the kizimo, which means this, to prove its authenticity. It would be the same way you do with a coin. There's a lot of people that like to have false money. But is there a test to see if that money is real? And the problem I find today, and you may or may not agree, but complacency is the biggest killer in the Christian life. Because we have come to the point where we hear somebody say they may be a believer or they believe in God, but they begin to negotiate truth and instead of listening and challenging it, we have learned to accept it and look at what state we're in today. Verse 5 says, They are from the world, therefore the world, therefore they speak as from the world and the world listens to them. Now this is powerful. I've said this before. If you go up the street, you'll see signs that say, Love you first. Love you first. It's all about me. That I exist for me. Everybody else in the world exists for me. And what happens? We talked about this a little bit this morning in our catechism class. What happens is like the sin of coveting. Desiring that which we cannot have, so we will gain something. Desiring that which we cannot have, so we can gain something. In other words, not being content with what we have, but wanting something else. That's what the world teaches you, right? It teaches you you can have just that much more. And we talked about things like automobiles and prices or things and things that we won't because somebody else has it. That's what the world teaches you, to glorify you, to build yourself up so you can have things. That is of the world. Okay? It's not of Christ. Anything that is put above Jesus Christ is an idol. Period. But the world listens to that. Why? Because 2 Timothy 4 is very clear. For there will come a time where they'll turn from sound doctrine to turn into doctrine that tickles their ears. Because it's what people want to hear. That's the world we live in. But look what he says. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us, and he who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Here's the deal. 
Those that are from God have been indwelt with the Spirit. And greater is He who lives in you than He is in the world. Did you hear what I opened with a while ago with Corey Tim Boom? The two powers. One is the unlimited power and one is the limited power. Satan has limited power. Greater is He who lives in you, the Spirit of God. And so many times as believers, we confuse the Spirit of God. We look at there's just some hierarchy. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit are on the same level. There is one God. He is three persons, and each person is fully God. The Spirit that is in you, that when you are saved, convicted you of your sin. He gave you a new nature, and now you desire the things of God. If that is in us, the world's not going to listen to us. Because the message of the cross is foolishness to them that perish. So Chad, how does we make this applicable to us? Are there people that deny the incarnation of Jesus Christ? Absolutely. There are people that deny a lot of things of Christ that are in our churches today that call themselves believers. So I want to encourage you to write these three things down. How do we test the spirits? How do we test the spirits to see if they are from God? Number one, does the message line up with God's Word? Does the message line up with God's Word. I pray to, you, pray to God that you become good stewards and good studiers of God's Word. If somebody says something that is against God's Word, then it is not of God. We often like, we hear people say, I want a prophetic word. This is going to rile a few, but I'm just going to be honest with you. If your private prophecy agrees with God's Word, it is unnecessary. If it is against God's Word, it is unbiblical. This is God's Word. So many times we look for signs when we can look directly to God's Word. Does the message line up with God's Word? Acts chapter 17, verse 10. Then those in Thessalonica... For they received the word, and with great eagerness, examining scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Here's my point about the Berean test. Most professing believers, and you've heard me say this, believe more what somebody says the Bible says than what the Bible actually says. We have failed to examine scripture and to see that what Scripture says is true. If somebody is preaching something contradictory to God's Word, it is not of God. That's simple. One of our favorite pieces that we hear, we talked about this morning, God wants me to be happy. Does God want us to be happy? Absolutely. But Paris Reedhead said this, as a byproduct, not a prime product. 
Our sole existence is for the glory of God. We are used as his instruments. And God's word never tells me that I am always going to be happy. God's word never tells me that I'm always going to be free from trouble. God's word teaches me that there are consequences to sin. And I want everybody to hear this clearly. If you have a motivational speaker or somebody that calls himself a Christian that don't speak on the sin, the wrath of God, and the love of Christ, by he who hates sin loved us so much that he died for us, turn them off! I am so tired of seeing so many people flock to these guys that tell you what you want to hear because it makes you feel good. Like I'm saying, fishing makes me feel good, but it will not save me. Sin, consequences, love, heaven, eternity, it's all in Scripture. We can't pick what we like and dis, dis, disapprove of what we don't like. It's all God's Word. And if anybody preaches something contrary to God's Word, then it is not biblical. So if somebody comes up to you and says, you don't have to uh, love your wife as Christ loves the church. You don't have to love your neighbors yourself. You don't have to go to church. Oh, don't get me started on that one. I can tell you this, those people say you don't have to go to church if you're saved. They've never read Scripture. Because I can assure you this, you're right, you don't have to go to church to be saved, but if you're saved, you'll want to go to church. And if we want to take Hebrews 10, 23, 24, and 25 and take it out of the text, we're not going to do that. Because I want to fellowship with other believers. If God's Word says it's true, it's true. And anybody that preaches something contrary to the Word of God, be a good steward of your Word and, and be a good of your time. Be a good studier of God's Word and do like the Missouri State motto. Show me! Well, God says this. Show me. God says that. Show me. I do not, as a pastor, approve of the ragu method. Or prego, excuse me. It's in there. <laughs> Show me. And listen to me very clearly, me included. And God knows my heart. And with all seriousness, He can strike me dead. Listen to this. There is no pastor or any evangelist should ever have a problem if somebody comes up and says, look, I don't understand what you just said. Let's go over it. I've heard many people say, well, I can't go to the pastor. He said, don't worry about it. What he says is gospel. He's a man that is flawed. God's Word is not flawed. And I would never have an have issue with a person coming up to me and say, Chad, I don't agree or I don't understand. Scripturally, show me why you think this is right. Praise God. And we're not always going to agree. But don't come at me with some, uh, some crazy Bible and don't use Scripture. Scripture! God's Word, the same way. And this is what gets me. Paul said in the book of Galatians, if I preach anything other than Christ, may I be accursed. 
may I be damned? Because Christ's word is the final authority. If it's not Christ's word, it's not the final authority. Test the scriptures. Number two, how do we test the spirits? Does the word of God, I'm sorry, does his message promote Christ or themselves? Does the message promote Christ or themselves? Acts 20, 24. Paul says this, But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Paul will say very clearly that everything that I have, I consider them dung compared to the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ. It is about His glory and His glory alone. I see so many people on TV. Well, let me back up. I have never told this story from the pulpit because it happened local. I've shared it in Bible studies, but I will share it with you today. It's something that happened. Several years ago, it's hot up here. Several years ago, we had some people that were our friends that asked me about a certain television evangelist. And what I thought about all these people he breathed on and healed. And I give a three-word response. He's a heretic. And it took them by shock. He says, you do not believe this man can heal all these people? I say, God can do anything that God wants to do. And don't you ever forget this. But I'll tell you this, where this movement is going on, if he's that good, I want him to go with me to the Shriners Hospital in Greenville. Or let's go to St. Jude's. Let's go to our nursing homes right up the street. Why don't he do that? People said, well, uh, then he won't get attention. Exactly! Point proven! And I told them, listen, God can do anything that God wants to do. But the thing that amazes me about this, if you look at God's ministry, Christ's ministry, He ministered to people's spiritual needs and physical needs, and usually in the reverse order. But Christ ministered to their spiritual needs. When a person is about glorifying themselves in the gifts that they supposedly had, that is not from the Word of God. And I shared that with them, and it didn't go over too well, but that's okay. Fast forward about six months. I was invited to their church for a baptism. I'm sitting in the back row. My boys were young at this time. And in the middle of this church service, the pastor yelled out, and my wife's a witness to this, just a rogue, a rogue comment in the middle of nowhere. And there's a man, a preacher here, that don't agree with this evangelist. And he's dead wrong, praise the Lord. Woo-hoo! I looked at my wife and he said, he's talking to me, ain't he? <laughs> Preachers can be led astray too. 
See, what that person failed to understand as well is that somebody that was a member of my church worked at the Bilo Center when that televangelist came in. And they saw it all. Anybody that works to promote their own glory is not of God. Paul says, I must die to self. That he would be glorified. I am not. Christ must increase. I must decrease. Anybody that talks about how great they are, they're a problem. Because there is no good in me. None. I want everybody to hear this. You have heard me say that when I die, there better not be a single human being said that Chad was a good man. Because Chad's not. The only good in me is Jesus Christ who lives in me. Period. And it's only by His grace and mercy that I am what I am. Just like you. I cannot find in Scripture anywhere where I am to promote myself above Christ. And we see this so many times on TV. And we listen to these. They may sound good. They may have a lot of people. But the Bible tells me this very clearly. Narrow is the path that leads to righteousness and few people find it. Have you ever thought about that? Narrow is the path that leads to righteousness. Which means if we talk about a few find it, in our language, a few is what? Three out of ten? I don't know what that few is, but righteousness few find it. Why? Because they love the doctrine that tickles their ears. And when we have people promoting themselves, that is the very purpose that they're there for them and not you, brother and sister, and you better believe it, and definitely not Christ. What do they promote? You look what Luke 9.23 says as well. Luke 9.23 tells us this. Listen. And he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. We follow Christ, not men. And anybody that wants you to follow them as a leader, instead of preaching the word and wanting you to follow Christ, they're not of God, and they're not a true spirit. Number three. Does the message promote dying to the world or absorbing all of its riches? Does the message promote dying to the world or absorbing all of its riches? I want you to turn with me, if you have your Bible, please. Turn with me for a few moments to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. And I'm going to again in verse 16. 
And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And he said to him, Why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one that is good. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Then he said, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I have kept, what am I still lacking? And Jesus said, If you wish to complete, go and if you wish to be complete, go and sell all your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now I want you to notice something about this passage a lot of us are familiar with. But I want you to look at it in the parts you may not be familiar with. He asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, Jesus would reply to him, keep, them, keep the commandments. Do you notice which commandments he give them? The last six, which is love your neighbors yourself. Look at it. He gives them the last six commandments. He didn't give them the first four. Because the rich man says, all these I have done. Okay? So what does he do to show him where he really stands? Then sell everything that you have and follow me. Sell every worldly possession you have and follow me. This made him sad because it showed Christ where his heart really stood because he put his wealth above God's glory. You see that? Because he didn't want to get rid of his wealth and therefore his wealth was what? An idol. For you shall not have any other gods before me. Anytime anybody teaches you more about the world than they do about Christ, they're a false prophet. Listen to me. There are those on TV that says, you send me your house payment, I'll double it. Send me the money. Sow that seed. Let me tell you something. You want to sow a seed? Then you sow that seed of Jesus Christ in man's heart. And you want to sow a financial seed? Then sow it in your church. Because I'm going to tell you something. If your attitude is to get back more from God than he gets from me, then you got a problem. Give that we may receive. Oh, give. Man, you can, you can, and this is what kills me. There are those spirits. You say, Chad, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy. I will tell you this. And I want you to listen to me real careful. No, there's not. But if you put that wealth above Jesus Christ, you're an idolater. Period. Anything you love more than Jesus Christ is a God. And that's a hill I'll die on. But I want you to think about this. 
This health, wealth, and prosperity junk that is so rapid through our country and through others has taken over because people want to hear it. They want to hear that they're struggling right now financially then that God would give them great wealth if they'll just do something. Jesus Christ never promised any of us that we would be wealthy. He never promised any of us that we would be healthy. He never promised us that we would have anything. You see, what happened was, was this deceitism that went through the church to die in the incarnation of Christ. It says you were overcome these false prophets. You overcome them. Why? Because the Holy Spirit that lives in you. They couldn't do it on their own. The Holy Spirit used them. Give them discernment to see what was right and wrong. And as believers, we should use the discernment because greater is He that lives in us than He is in the world. And if it speaks contrary to the Word of God, it is not of God. Period. And so many times we see these people, send me money. This church is wealthy. And I'll say it again. If there's an evangelist or a preacher that's driving a Bentley and has a jet, it's not a sign of God's blessing. It's a sign of the church's stupidity. So many people promote money and their own people and their own congregations don't even have enough to eat. And I promise you that as long as I'm the pastor of Living Way Community Church, I will never put myself financially above anybody else because you right, y'all won't you listen. It is a sin for any of us to know that there's people in our congregation that is suffering and we do nothing. Period. It's sinful. Because I can tell you this. There's no amount of money that you have nor I have that's going to get us into heaven. And I can promise you when you leave this world and you mark it down today that somebody's going to fight over your junk. You know that nice house you have? That's odd. Fred will live in it in a few years. That car you drive? Somebody else have it. Or junkyard will. Material things crush. They die. They go away. But Jesus Christ is eternal. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Him. So please understand, a false spirit, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it's not true. If the message promotes person's self instead of Christ, it's not of God. If a person wants you to absorb the world instead of deny it, it's not of God. But greater is He who is in you than it is in the world. There's a story of a missionary that was in China. I'm sorry, in Africa. And the story was about this man who had come into this African village and began to preach the gospel. And as he began to preach the gospel, the local witch doctor came up to him. And he said, Lightning bolt will strike your church and burn it down. And sure enough, a few days, lightning hit it. And it burned it down. But that mission scenario, he told this witch doctor, he said, I'll tell you this, there's a lightning bolt going to hit your totem pole. It's going to burn it down. And sure enough, that lightning bolt hit that totem pole and it burned it down. 
And all of a sudden, the people in the village began to ask the question, but this is a witch doctor. He said, yeah, but greater is he who lives in me than he who lives in the world. If you were born again believer in Jesus Christ, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, you have a spirit of God that lives in you. The Spirit of God that convicts you of your sin, that gives you discernment over truth when you read the Word of God. The Spirit of God that enables you with gifts. The Spirit of God who not only, when you are saved, transforms you and gives you a new nature, but the same Spirit that sustains you. Please listen to me. What we see today, and even in the things that are going on in the world, people are afraid. And they, are, they have this great fear of what's going to happen tomorrow. Whether it's going to be financially, whether it's going to be Russia, whether it's going to be China, whether it's going to be this crazy world and all these wicked commercials that we see. What is happening? God will be glorified. But you have to stand. And you have to take a stance on the Word of God. Because I can tell you something. If we don't take a stand for what's right, the world will for what they think is right. Test the spirits. And guys, not only test the spirits of the people that you listen to. If you will look at this passage, you will see that we should test the spirits of other Christians. Because if greater is he that lives in me, which means this, that my life should be conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Would you not agree? Not everybody that claims Christ is saved. You see, it's very interesting. Just because somebody, and listen to me, just because somebody accepts the, 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 the incarnation of Jesus Christ, don't make them saved. Now, I'm going a little bit further with this just for a few moments, please. Bear with me. Not everybody that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. You hear that? People say, well, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he rose from the dead. I believe that, that, that he's done all these things. Congratulations. That qualifies everybody to be a demon. That's harsh to say. Well, I didn't say it. James did. For the Bible says that even demons believe and they tremble. The Satan knows Jesus. I'm going to tell you something else that's very scary. Satan knows Scripture. Because what Satan does is what these guys have done and other Christians that claim to know Christ. They take the Scripture of God and twist it to their own conforming. They twist it. That's what Satan does. He twists things. And he loves to use people to twist them. But greater is he who is in you. Be good Bereans. Study the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you this in closing. Because I know how my words often go out. I'm not saying that everybody on TV or everybody in your workplace is a false prophet. But I'll tell you this, if they can't pass those three tests right there, then they are. Somebody that is of Christ will represent Christ. I can't find anywhere in Scripture where it says I can call myself believer 
and live absolutely contrary to the Word of God. Have you? I haven't. But I want to encourage you, listen, this encouraging part. That if we as believers will understand that the same Christ who saved us will sustain us, don't worry about tomorrow. It'll take care of itself. You cling to Christ. And I tell you today, if you do not have a relationship with Christ, you listen to me. I don't know when you're going to leave this world, but you can know how you leave it. For the Bible tells me it's appointed once to man to die. We're all going to die. The death rate is still one out of every one. I can promise you that's a mathematical certainty. We're all going to die. And we don't know how. You know what? It may be the last time I see some of you. It may be the last time all y'all see me. And I don't know how I'm going to leave this earth, but because of my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I know how I'm going to leave it. Do you have that peace? You say, well, Chad, I know Jesus. Again, so does demons. The question is, does Jesus know you? Does Jesus know you? Have you come to a point in time in your life where you've been convicted of your sin and you've turned from it? And you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit has come into you and give you a new nature. And you desire godly things and not worldly things. Are you there? So Chad, I don't know. Well, you can know. You see, the beautiful thing about this book that John wrote, 1 John, he says, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. You can have eternal life and you can have it today. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. But I can tell you, knowing that I have Christ, and most importantly, He has me, that when I leave this world, I'm going to be in His presence. You see, there's a lot of people today that are teaching false doctrines. And we talked about this, even in our catechism class, that use God as an ends or a means. Okay? You see, the religious will tell you, as Paris Reedhead did, that the religious view it this way, that the end of all things is to make me happy when I die. I don't want to go to that nasty old hell. So the religious will tell you the end of all things is to make me happy when I die. The liberal will tell you that the end of all things is to make you happy while you live. It's what I can have now. So you got both camps that says, I want to be happy when I live, and the other says, I want to be happy when I die. But God is not an ends or a means. The end of all things, listen to me, is for the glory of God. Period. We exist for the glory of God. And again, are we to be happy? Yes. But as a byproduct and not a prime product. Because there's a difference between happiness and joy. I didn't joy and cut cartwheels when I found out I had cancer back in June. But I knew this because of my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Whether he gets me through it or whether he takes me home, I win. Can you say that today? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you and thank you so much for all that you continue to do for us. Lord, we've learned in your scripture 
that there are false spirits. But the book of 1 John tells us that we're to love as you love because you loved us and our love will reflect upon others. And our love means that we stand up for what is truth because you are love. We love the things that you love and hate the things that you hate. Because if we truly love, then we'll hate those that are opposite of your word. God, we come together today to, Lord, lift one another up. And Lord, as we see the time approaching in a questionable world, Lord, one thing we know for certain, without a Shabbat out, and everybody that walks this earth knows that we're going to die. But not everybody knows for certain that when they die, they're going to spend eternity with you. And Lord, it's not about fire insurance. But Lord, knowing that there's a God-sized hole in each and every human being's body that can only be filled by your Son, Jesus Christ. And it's not fire insurance that saves us. But we have to understand that one day, every one of us are going to stand before a righteous, holy God. And it's not about what we've done. It's not about what we think we've done. Because we have done nothing. Lord, I have been in the ministry for over 20 years and I've never saved a soul. You have. It's not what we do that makes us righteous. It's what you've done on the cross. And God, I pray today that if there is one here that does not have a relationship with you, that you convict their heart before it's eternally too late. God, I pray today that as born-again believers, we get strong and we study the Word to hear that what we, or to learn that what we hear or what we see is from your Word. That, Lord, we do not turn from sound doctrine. We do not hear the things that tickle our ears. But, God, we listen to the things that are holy and righteous from a holy and righteous God. And God, none of us have, got, have made it, nor are we going to make it. But Lord, we will do our lives, we will do in our lives to conform to your image as led by the Spirit. We will desire to do that which is right. And Lord, when we fail, when we sin, we'll repent. Because greater is you who lives in us than he who lives in the world. God, I know without a shadow of a doubt that this evil world is not like a Darth Vader fight with Luke Skywalker, good versus evil. God, your power is unlimited. Satan's power is limited. And what I know is this, that you are true and will conquer all things for your glory. And God, I pray today that if every one of us would live serving the audience of one, what a great difference we could make in this world. Lord, I pray today for those that are grieving, for those who have had loss, for those who, who struggle financially or personally or whatever it may be, to know that, Lord, it's not about the things of the world that sustain us. It is about You. And God, we must ask ourselves, if we lost everything today, would we still give You the glory? Lord, I pray that as we are saved, we are sustained. We have an urgency to go out there and tell this world that men may think they have it in control, but God, you are the ultimate one in control. For you raise kings and kingdoms. And you who raise up this world in your time and your desire will bring it to an end. But Lord, if you tarry and do not come back, I'm going to die. 
But God, I thank you so much for your son Jesus who took the wrath for me. That which I deserve, you poured upon your son and crushed him that you would be satisfied. There is no good in me, only Christ that lives in me. But Lord, you promised me because of my faith and trust in Jesus Christ that not only would I have joy and you would sustain me here on this earth, but as I live on this limited time that you have given me, I will spend eternity with you. May you be glorified for all things. And all God's people said, stand and worship with us, please.